Welcome, it's another edition of the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Of course, you can always uh, listen to this now podcasted on uh, Spotify and iTunes. I'm Jared Jessalitis, and uh, we've got Jeff Julik over there, set all hour to talk Boilermaker basketball with you. It's been a uh, good week. It's been a couple of good weeks, actually, buddy, and another big one here as uh, Purdue picked up the win on uh, Wednesday night. And uh, that sets up a uh, a big matchup on Sunday against Michigan State. Hey, and let's don't forget about that big victory against the Hoosiers last Saturday. So, uh, oh, how could boy, I forget? I mean, you uh, you put two uh, two games together like that, and that's got to make Boilermaker fans uh, all across the Boiler Nation very very happy. Yeah, uh, it was really cool uh, talking on uh, the morning show earlier this week. We talked to Nick Wickren uh, because they had the uh, the baseball dinner, the first pitch dinner over in Holloway afterwards. He said he was sitting with uh, Kevin Ploiecki. So you got two MLBers here. He goes, we almost lost our voices. We almost got in trouble because we were screaming so much during the (laughs) IU game. And I love that. Anytime those MLB guys, anytime a professional athlete comes back like that, still keeps it real like a a regular old fan, I love that about them. You know, what a great job Waz has done there, you know, just establishing something like that with the first pitch dinner. And, boy, you put that in that special weekend where the Boilermakers took on the Hoosiers and – in three events and uh, won all three of them. And, uh, boy, you couldn't ask for much more as a Boilermaker fan to uh, to kick off a uh, cold winter uh, week of uh, of uh, winning some basketball games and other sports. And uh, I tell you what, good time to be a Boilermaker right now. Surprised in that matchup in Mackey against IU that Romeo Langford had more recruiting stars than he did points? Yeah, Romeo is a great player. I mean, and obviously he's he's still projected to be a top five player. But you know, the, the defensive effort by you know Joe Eastern that day was just incredible. And you know, Matt Painter does a nice, nice job of being able to look at a team that he's playing against and come up with the right matchups. And you know, they really got into Romeo's head. I mean, the crowd got into his head when they were chanting the overrated, even though all the Boilermakers know he's not overrated. But um, yeah, he was on that day. Well, that's for sure. you know, but they, I mean, yeah, you're right though. They got in his head. They got into his head. He and, missed you know, all those free throws. It he was he was airballing. Yeah, zero for three against shots against No Gel, and and then when he wasn't guarding him, you had uh, Wheeler and you had uh, you know Harms blocking some shots of his. So you know, just one of those games where the Boilermakers are getting better and better, and uh, it, it's just funny how basketball can be because you know if you go back to the to the Crossroad Classic, IU hits that shot, Fennessey hits that shot to beat Butler. You know, they're sitting on top of the world, and the Boilermakers lose that game to Notre Dame, and we're feeling really bad about ourselves. And then all of a sudden, Christmas break comes, and the team gets some practice time. And now, all of a sudden, Boilermakers are trending way, way up. Hoosiers are trending way, way down. Yeah, winning, what, uh, seven of their last uh, eight games here. Uh, that last loss, uh, the lone loss coming against uh, Michigan State uh, a few weeks ago. But then uh, let's go back to Wednesday's game, too. Just a strange game in Value City Arena Place. The Boilers 2-13 and 13 going into that one. So only two times they've ever won in Value City Arena. They go in there, and it is a very flat on the start. Extremely flat to start that game. Uh, but then they find a little bit of a rhythm. They go on this 22-1 run, and it's only a 10-point lead at the half. And I really, going into halftime, I go... Well, who failed to take advantage more here? Was it Purdue or Ohio State of the woes? Because I really couldn't put my finger on it. You think Ohio State should have been good enough to run up that score early on a little bit more. But then Purdue goes on that run, and you figure you feel like you should have a bigger lead than 10 points at this point. You know, and I'm going to go back. I used to contend that that sometimes the Boilermaker football team was, uh, was able to upset Ohio State on those 12 noon or 11 a.m. kickoffs we used to have before the time change. 
because of the fact there was a half-empty stadium sometimes and Ohio State kind of came in and said, what's this environment? And there was nobody at Value City Arena uh, 15 minutes before they the game. They were tarping I off mean, the, like, the student section yeah. parts. I was amazed. And so I kind of think that, you know, playing in front of an empty gym kind of got to the Boilermakers early and – and, you know, they came out and well, started. Well, we're in trouble for Penn State the next week if that's the case. <laughs> you know, they came out and and took some crazy three-point shots, turned the ball over, you know, and, you know, there aren't very many road games against the quality team. And Ohio State has had some quality victories this year, and you got to figure they're going to get this turned around at some point. But, you know, you got to figure that that they're going to be in big, big trouble. And they go on that run, they get the lead, and then they go on that 22-1 to run where they are able to take control of the game and then – all of a sudden, you know, you get Wesson starting to hit, you know, 54 jump foot jumpers at buzzers and they're back in the ball game. And so, yeah, you, you really would hope that the Boilermakers would have had a bigger lead there and then a high state sees the momentum right before halftime. Yeah, and then coming out of halftime, they continue to hit seven three-pointers there. I'm yelling at my TV, stop hitting threes, you jerks. Hey, you know, it was you a- do something. But then there was a nice moment there. I think they got down to maybe like four or something like that. And Carson brings everybody in, and I mean, he is just, he's not like, you know, laying into them, but he's being very, very animated about, you got, you know, you got to get your heads on straight here. Yeah, and there were four possessions where Ohio State uh, was down two or three points and never had the ball with a chance to tie or take the lead, because every single time Carson drains a three or... Klein hits a three, or Grady Eifert hits a three, so or a three-point play by no gel. So, I mean, every single time Purdue answered that, and that was the issue that we were seeing from this basketball team when they were on those road trips to Florida State and, and the games against Virginia Tech. They didn't have anybody to make those big shots when they needed them, and now all of a sudden everybody on this team is stepping up. And, you know, Ohio State just has that mentality in many, many sports that they're not going to lose the game, and – they, you know, Jallo goes off. You know, he had eight points all this year from in 2019, and he goes and he hits 12 points against us and, and starts draining threes. And he did the same thing in Mackey last year. So, you know, and, and Wesson was unconscious until he missed his first free throw. It was the first shot he missed all night. And the Boilermakers responded to every single thing that Ohio State could send out to them. And, you know, we got in a position when, 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 Wesson got fouled out that we thought we were in great shape, and actually we were not in great shape because Ohio State played better with his brother at center and, and going small against the Boilermakers. Yeah, that was definitely a pause for, uh, for, for concern there. Uh, but some great individual performances in that game, obviously with Carson Edwards, but um, holy smokes, how good has Grady Eifert been the last couple of games? And he went three or four from behind the arc. He put the dagger in at the end there. Got the uh, water jug uh, dumped on him back there in the locker room a month ago. We were the, the barbarians were at the gates at the four position. Aaron Wheeler's got to start. Grady Eifert's a walk on. Why is Matt Painter have him in? Give the young guy the chance because he's look. I don't think anybody on God's green earth is going to say Grady Eifert is more athletic than Aaron Wheeler. No disrespect to Grady, but you know. It, we know what that is. However, Grady, discipline, takes care of the ball, good rebounding, and he's reliable. That's the thing. He's reliable, and that's something that's going to come in time for Aaron Wheeler. But that's why he's starting, and he showed you again, especially in that Ohio State game, why he is the guy at the four right now. May not be the flashy guy that you want, and Aaron Wheeler's got the, he's the king of the put-back dunk, 
And, and yes, he's got a nice uh, stroke from the outside as well. But Grady Eifert is consistent, and you know what you're getting with him. You know, Grady Eifert would be a poster child for the history of Purdue basketball. When you go back and look at Steve Scheffler and Rowinski when the Gene Cady era is. Look at you name dropping. I mean, he's in that mold. You know, Rowinski was a walk-on. And so, I mean, you know, here's a guy who's just put in his time. And if you recall, when Vince Edwards was out some games with injury, he went to, to Grady. And Grady has just made play after play after play. You know, he hits those two huge free throws to beat Wisconsin. And that that three to put Purdue up by ten with a minute to go was absolutely huge. And not to mention he picked up the 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 fifth foul, the fourth and fifth foul on Wesson. So I mean, you know, he just does everything you want out of a Boilermaker player. You know, Purdue doesn't always get the talent. And you know, I had a buddy of mine who said, you know, watch these two teams warm up Saturday, and you could see that IU probably had some better athletes than Purdue did. Um, but what Purdue has is a coach who gets them to play together as a team move the basketball, and how often do you see a team that has 10 players contributing every single time they come in? Because you can argue every single one of those 10 players who saw the floors in Columbus Wednesday night all contributed, and that's just amazing. What if I told you, if we went back to, let's say, the middle part of December, and I said, we're going to start out Big Ten play 6-2, and two, what would you have said looking at that schedule and the way the Boilers have been playing? I would think you need to add more medication to your system. I would have been like, are you the same guys that showed up at the spring game and told us that Rondell Moore was going to be a fringe Heisman candidate and we were going to beat Ohio State and contend for the Big Ten West title? I remember you guys. That's right. Oh, yeah. absolutely. They, you know, and, and, and here we are on a weekend where if the Boilermakers can get Michigan State this weekend, you have to talk about a, a Big Ten contender because they're going to be one game back and they've played, they're done with Michigan, they're done with Michigan State. And the remaining 12 games are all manageable. So, you know, this team has just come so far in a short period of time from December on. Look to a stat I gave you a little bit earlier. Purdue's record in Value City Arena, 2-13, and 13, right? Two times they won. What happened at the end of the season? They won the Big Ten title, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm just saying. So, yeah. We got that third one. Maybe yeah, it's I, not so crazy. I was at that game a couple years ago where uh, Biggie hit the free throw to win that game for us. So every game there has been tough. And, and the history of that series has all been two, one, two-point games. And for the Boilermakers to win by 12 is a, is a huge – it's a blowout in that series. Now we go to the Wings at Center Hammerhead Hotline. We're going to bring in GoldenBlack.com's Alan Karpik. You know him. You love him. Um, if there is a better steward of Purdue sports, I have yet to meet him. Uh, Alan, I mean, there's just not a stat this guy doesn't know about. Alan, we just discussed my favorite stat here. Uh, with Purdue being uh, 2 of 13 going into Value City Arena before Wednesday's win, uh, those previous two years where they won in Value City Arena, they went on to win the Big Ten title. So... Since they won on Wednesday, it's a it's a given at this point, right? <laughs> uh, my silence is deafening on that one. Oh, wow. But I will say this: I will say that if they if they want to win the Big Ten championship, they best win on Sunday. That's stating the obvious, and and you know anything is possible. Uh, this is a team that uh, we are all watching grow and trend in the right direction. That's good, and uh, becoming a team that. Uh, is uh, not only fun to watch, but uh, is getting things done. So that part of it is um, really going to be an interesting storyline to watch, just how much this team grows. I thought, you know, that uh, that uh, Chris Holtman's comment that I that uh, except Davis said about how uh, on the broadcast about how uh, this team might have more uh, 
more uh, upside than last year's is an interesting comment. I don't know if I agree with that, but I do think this team is really, really interesting to watch. And now, talk about, I mean, I always love when you, these stats, I noticed during the games Wednesday night that Purdue went on that 22-1 to run, and you had jumped on the board and immediately was telling, you know, the last time Purdue went on those kind of runs. But speaking of that, I mean, have you ever seen a Purdue team that has 10 players that are contributing the way these 10 players are contributing the rotation? It doesn't seem like they're losing much when they go to their bench. Yeah, I think that that's a, that there may have been some. I think Matt Painter's done a really good job of late of getting uh, uh, getting up to, you know, having having that rotation be – where you know, even the last couple of years, where he's had to make some tough calls about trimming that rotation, uh, and I think that that's uh, that's been a credit to how how this program has developed. And the fact that you have a Sasha Stefanovic, I, I know Sasha's a redshirt guy, and he's the one maybe at the very tail end of the bench, but he comes in and plays great against Rutgers, and and uh, you know you never know when somebody's going to come in and contribute and do something uh, do something big. And I think that that's a storyline that. Uh, uh, you have to give Matt credit uh, because of the way that he's developed his program of having a lot of contributors. And yeah, you have you also in in the same token, you also probably have the biggest individual contributor you've had since Glenn Robinson here in terms of dominant offensive, uh, a guy that that that, that uh, takes up so much space from the offensive end in Carson Edwards. So uh, you have to give him credit that uh, other guys are coming in and contributing along with uh, what Carson is doing on most every night. Alan Karpik with us here from goldenblack.com. Six and two now in the Big Ten are the Boilers. Uh, through eight games there, do you feel like that's about where you thought they would be underperforming or overperforming so far? Um, uh, if you look at how I felt about them, let's say December the fifteenth after they lost Notre Dame, um, I think they're overperforming you know, in terms of that. I just thought that was, uh, uh, you know, at six and two, and the fact that Purdue has two road wins, um, and again, I understand Ohio State is struggling, and and that's part of the storyline here. But if you just said you the one you won at Wisconsin at Ohio State, looking through the lens of mid December and where Purdue was at that point. Um, I think you're, I think you're overperforming. Now, uh, there are no nights off in the Big Ten, and just when you think you start counting victories, uh, it's a very, very dangerous thing to do. You know, people will start to look at next Thursday's game against Penn State. Oh, that's a game Purdue will win. Penn State doesn't want a game in the Big Ten. Well, you know, that's just, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's fool's gold because, uh, that is a, that's a, the danger of, uh, you know, you're going to have no matter what happens, from Sunday to Tuesday, Thursday, you're going to have an emotional game Sunday. If Purdue doesn't perform well and gets beat soundly, like Michigan State at least rallies the second half to beat Iowa soundly yesterday, uh, you know that can impact you. So you got to take care of the games you can take care of. And Purdue has, has pulled a couple surprises, at least through the lens of a few weeks ago, by beating, winning at Wisconsin and winning uh, at Ohio State and beating Indiana. Really, to be honest, uh, uh, the way that it did. So are you saying you think the uh, Nittany Lions will be a trap game for the Boilermakers? Well, I mean, I, and I know since we don't have a show before next, we'll be talking about that game uh, next week. Um, I, yeah, it concerns me. And again, obviously, no, I, you, the three of us may be the only people talking about the Purdue-Penn State game in, in light of the fact <laughs> that they're playing Michigan State and probably will be one of, one of the most uh, explosive, exciting environments in Mackey Arena in a while. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a trap game, but Purdue has all of its attention as, as it should on, 
Sunday afternoon because uh, that will be an intriguing, uh, fun game to watch. We've got Alan Karpik with us here from goldandblack.com trying to get you set for this uh, matchup between Purdue and Michigan State. Uh, what are some of the X factors in this one here, uh, Alan? Do you got somebody maybe coming off the bench that you really like? Uh, maybe somebody that fans should keep an eye out for to uh, have a big game? Well, I think in this game, and, and certainly if you go back to what happened in East Lansing, you know, back in what is it, the 7th of January or whenever that game was, you shoot 31%. Uh, and that, uh, you can't do that against uh, against Michigan State to, and have any chance. Uh, obviously, the, obviously, the Spartans are extremely, ex, you know, we've always seen almost all the time is those teams have that, uh, have that brick wall front line. Uh, Spartans have that, but they have – Probably not probably the best point guard in the Big Ten and Cassius Winston, the guy that uh, is really playing well, played well, and got well, Michigan State out of a little bit of a pickle last night. And Spartans, we talk about Purdue's long run against uh, um, against Ohio State, the 22-1 to one run there. Michigan State won on a 24-2 to run uh, on Thursday night at, at, in Iowa to, to win relatively uh, going away at least by 15 points. So uh, those all those things, who steps up? Uh, uh, is going to be a storyline because is it going to be someone like you know, I, my flavor of the week is flavor of the day is Stefan Stefanovic and then we, uh, you know we'll look at that and say uh, uh, that uh, he may be the guy. If somebody's going to, have to come in and do something uh, remarkable, you know, Travion Williams to some extent in East Lansing, not to, to a great extent, thirteen and twelve was his breakout game. I would argue that the Notre Dame game, the last half of that game, I know it was a frustrating game, but kind of showed what he could do in that one as well. But uh, they're going to need somebody to do something surprising because uh, you're playing against a team that on paper is better than you. It's already beaten you by double digits and is riding uh, its longest. I think it's the first time in 10 or 11 years that Tom Izzo has started the uh, conference season at uh, eight or nine wins in a row. So uh, this is going to be a huge test for Purdue. Actually, nine of those, second time during the Izzo era to have that happen. So, huge test on a number of fronts. And I didn't get to answer your question at all, Jared. And that is, I don't know who's going to step up, but somebody's got to do it. And, you know, to your point, I mean, the last time the Boilermakers beat Michigan State here, what, Rayfeld Davis had like five three-pointers and, you know, that special effort where he just couldn't miss. And and, and that's right. what it takes against Spartans. Because you, but last night they turned the ball over 18 times. And so there are potentials there. I think the – the issues with Michigan State is that they're just getting really some serious production out of Aaron Henry, the kid from Indianapolis right now. Yeah. And he's really taken that team to a new level. And, uh, you know, I like our chances simply because you give Matt Painter a time to, you know, it's been a month since we played that team and he's had time to adjust. And that was the game where Carson was guarding himself, as Matt said. And so, uh, you know, if Carson can distribute the ball after drawing those kind of attention, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see uh, just how the Boilermakers uh, respond to uh, to that loss they had in East Lansing a few weeks ago. Well, an emotion plays such a big part in this. I mean, there's no question that uh, you know you have to have your emotions in check. But uh, I like what I see in a lot of ways out of what we're seeing out of Carson. I mean, uh, I, you know, he had the had the big score, relatively big scoring night against Ohio State. I know he had he had the, the seven turnovers and just four assists, but he is a guy that. When he passed the ball, when Purdue was in that big run, his pass to Matt Harms, a bullet pass was, was really good. They're getting guys involved. He's going to have to do more of it. And that, that may be the one thing, if you go back to the last question about who has to step up, 
maybe it's Carson also being able to distribute to, and find guys for easy baskets because it's very difficult against Michigan State to get easy looks uh, inside, especially. And that will be an interesting storyline because the other, you know, the Travion Williams, will he be able to stay out of foul trouble? You have to also assume now Tom Izzo knows fully what he's dealing with with Travion Williams as well. Uh, they'll be ready for, for some way to get him into foul trouble. You can bet on that. And, uh, and it's hard for Purdue to match up against Michigan State. That's the fundamental issue there is it's not a good matchup. Uh, it's a better matchup now that Williams is playing the way he is, but uh, it's still a tough matchup even in front of what will be a, uh, what will be likely be a crazy crowd. Alan Karpik of goldandblack.com with us on the Wings of Center Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, great resource for all the kinds of things. Uh, Purdue, just don't check the media mania picks. I believe there's an error because for some reason I'm like all the way down at the bottom. There's got to be some kind of because some, <laughs> yeah. lost transmission. That's user error. Yeah. We, need get, we need to get Jeff Jeff Julik on those picks too. I don't know. We will do that next year of basketball. But uh, yeah, you know, just so he can so he can dominate like we know he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like he needs more of those Bruno's gift certificates. All right. Well, hey, yeah, Alan, there you go. Thank you so much. We appreciate it, buddy. All right. Have a good rest of the show, guys. Thank you. So now here we are. We just talked to Alan, and uh, we processed all that information. And something kind of keeps on coming up here in our topics and when we talk about this game is the fact that Purdue is a different team this Sunday than what they were, you know, back at the beginning of January when we first played this game in East Lansing. So when we talk about that, the obvious thing uh, people bring up is Travian Woodard. Uh, because, or I'm sorry, Travian, <laughs> what am I talking to? Williams, I'm sorry. I knew you, man. <laughs> I went West Lafayette High School on you for a second there. Um, but, yeah, you know, he came out, that was kind of his coming out party in that game to a degree because uh, Boudreaux had the um, had the foul trouble. So, and the injury. Yeah, and the injury, uh, which turned out in that one. So he got the increased playing time. He got himself that double-double in, in that game. But since then, a lot of el- a lot of other things have changed, right? I mean, Carson Edwards, for example, become much more of a distributor, I think. Yeah, if you go back to that game, I mean, Purdue played one of their worst games of the year, and and what was it about uh, eight minutes to go? The game was tied. I mean, so I mean, they they were in that game until the very end, and and but I think they did learn something because Carson learned that you know against athletic teams, uh, when you take it in against three guys. Uh, bad things are going to happen. They're going to knock the ball away. They're going to steal. And that's the one thing you cannot do against Michigan State. You cannot turn that ball over and give them that fast break. I mean, without a doubt, they're the quickest team in basketball of taking the ball out of bounds and getting it down court. And you have, you know, last night I saw Cook start celebrating with the crowd. And and meantime, Michigan State blows by him for, for a basket. So, I mean, they have to take care of the basketball. They have to make sure that they they value every possession, and they certainly can't have the amount of turnovers that they had against the Buckeyes the other night. This is also a team that has some uh, more confidence, I think, than they did uh, against Michigan State because now they've got themselves a, uh, a couple of really good road wins on top of that, which was something that was missing from the resume. We made a, a bit of a deal out of that against Wisconsin, but they get another one on Wednesday against Ohio State. I know people look at the Big Ten record and go 2-5 and five of the Big Ten. Maybe it's not as impressive as you think, but when you take a look at the overall record playing in that arena for Purdue, uh, definitely impressive, and you beat a team that's, what, 12-6 and six, uh, as of this morning uh, on the road. So I, I think you take that. So I think you get a little bit more confidence as well. That's another thing that's changed. 
I think confidence. I also think they bought into the defensive philosophy that Matt's been preaching because, you know, defense is what beat IU on Saturday. They were they 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 they, they clamped down on Romeo. That they they uh, took away Morgan. You know, he didn't have a huge game, and that's continued to be the the secret for success for the Boilermakers, and that is to play good defense. And you know, that's what it takes. And and then when you add into the fact that they now have a low post pre- presence with Travion Williams. They've become a different basketball team because now if you are going to double team uh, Carson or triple team, you certainly can't leave Williams alone because he will get the ball down low and he will make you pay for it. And that's something they didn't have. And how well has Matt Harms been playing now that he's become a backup to Williams? I mean, he just seems to play better when Williams goes in, establishes himself as a low post, and then Harms has been playing really, really well, uh, similar to how he played last year. And then another thing I think that has changed is the fact that, and they did good in that game, but it's been a big talking point over the last several games is they stopped turning the ball over. I mean, when you're only turning the ball over six, seven times a game, they turned it over nine up in East Lansing, but, you know, the Ohio State game notwithstanding, they've done a much better job of protecting the basketball. Yeah, and and give High State credit. I mean, High State does have a lot of athletes on that team, you know. And fast hands, it seemed like fast hands, a little bit quick. faster than I think they anticipated, yes. especially early on. And it took a minute. Yeah, and they had to adjust to that. So I mean, uh, you know, so athletic teams like that with quick hands do has given the Boilermakers trouble, and they did against the Buckeyes the other night, and they'll see that same thing against Michigan State. So you know, this this shapes up to be a fantastic game for the Boilermakers because of the fact. At home, the crowd will be insane. It'll be, I would say, more intense than it probably was for the IU game last week because this game is so huge. Because when you look at the remaining part of the schedule, the Boilermakers, if they can win this game and be one game back of both Michigan and Michigan State, and those two teams, if I'm not mistaken, have to play each other twice still, um, and we're done with those, and now all of a sudden your tough remaining games for Purdue to navigate is, is at Nebraska, at IU, at Maryland, and then you look at the rest of those games or those 12 games or those, I guess, 11 games at that point, the Boilermakers will probably be favored in the remaining eight games. And so you're putting yourself in a position where, you know, not to count victories, but this team could end up at 17-3, and three, you know, 16-4. and four, And who knows where that'll get you. And at the very least, it's going to get you a double-double buy. And uh, that would be huge for this basketball team to, to not have to play those first two days of the Big Ten tournament. Not to be on too much of a tangent, but uh, I did talk with uh, Kyle this week, and we said uh, in our buy or sell segment, we thought about the possibility of both Purdue basketball teams having that double buy uh, in the Big Ten tournament, because that's a distinct possibility. Because Sheriff Versum's crew sitting in second, they've got a big trip to Iowa this weekend. But uh, I think that's that's always great for the basketball brand. And, and certainly, it's very possible the way the, they're playing. I mean, you know, they won their seventh straight last night at uh, Minneapolis, and I mean, they uh, continue to to improve and get better. And uh, you know, uh, it, that'd be pretty awesome to have both teams with a double buy. And then I think the last thing that's really changed is you're getting in. I mean, the reason one of the big reasons for that is Williams now sliding into the starting role has changed things. But the bench has been a lot more productive, I think, over the last several games since the uh, Michigan State game. They, they've really starting to emerge. Um, man, Eric Hunter finally hit some shots in that game against uh, Ohio State. And, I mean, the kid was just so overdue with that. But he does so many other things 
that get him that playing time. Uh, Sasha's been good in a couple of those games coming off the bench as well. Obviously, Matt Harms comes off the bench, and he, boy, he has been transformed the last several games too. For as much as we talk about Williams and the improvement in him being the starter, how much better has Matt Harms been over the last four games? Yeah, and, you know, Matt made the comment, uh, calling some folks out after the Notre Dame game, that these players have to learn that they just can't play through their offense. And you kind of get the the feeling that the, these kids have bought into that fact. And you look at Eric Hunter, who's playing fantastic defense. You're hit, looking at Sasha Savanovich and the defense he's playing. And all of a sudden, making baskets becomes almost no pressure because they're doing their job of playing defense. And they get those open shots, and they make them because there's no pressure because that's not what they're really in there to do. And we all know Eric Hunter can score. I mean, you do not lead the city of Indianapolis uh, in scoring uh, with all the great players you see in the metro area down there and not be able to score the basketball. And for him to hit that three the other night and then drive in and make the layup, I mean, he's got to be a scorer for the Boilermakers. But right now, they're not asking to be a scorer. And the same thing with some of these other players. And I really think Matt Arms plays better when there's no pressure on him being a starter. You know, he seems to play much more free, much more loose, coming off the bench, blocking the shots. You know, how nice was that little eight-foot jumper that he made on the baseline against the Buckeyes the other night? But so, he's got to learn how to do that eventually, Jeff, because at one point he's going to be a senior and we can't go, <laughs> well, you're better. It's a mental thing coming off the bench. You can't, you know, hey, you got to learn. Go back and look at Isaac Haas in his younger years. He played off the bench compared to A.J. Hammonds. And he always played better. Yeah, but there was, was a big difference, though, is is the fact that, you know, you had A.J., you had uh, We've got Biggie Travion, there, I mean, you know? you know, I mean, Travion's a freshman, so maybe Matt Arms will always be a, a bench player coming off the bench. But, I mean, you know, there are some players who just perform better when they're coming off the bench as opposed to being a starter. It's kind of like in the NFL where some coaches are coordinators and but some But if I give you coaches. the same amount of minutes either way, then what's, what are we doing here? It's a mental thing. I know. <laughs> it's a Dr. Phil moment. I mean. You know, so got the shanks. We need to go take them to sports psychologist exactly. or something. Maybe he needs to put all his chains in one pocket and stand on one foot. Because I don't if know, something but... happens to Travian Williams, and there's nobody. You know, <laughs> that's true. But let's let's hope that doesn't happen. And then let's don't forget about Evan. I mean, uh, I kind of feel sorry for him. You know, he's uh, you know obviously had the injury, but you know he was productive early for the Boilermakers, and uh, it's been a big adjustment going from the Ivy League to Big Ten. And so hopefully he'll continue to give us some minutes and. Uh, you know, he can play as well. So a nice position to be in when you have three productive uh, people playing the post. Wow, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? Three productive people playing the post. <laughs> you always bring the tough stuff to the show. You always bring the tough stuff. I always think it's going to be nice and easy, and then you just burn the whole thing down with napalm. All right, so uh, let's keep this thing moving here. Uh, let's get to the Big Ten as a whole, Jeff. Uh, as we take a look at the standings as of this morning, Michigan State remains on top of the conference, undefeated at 9-0, 18-2 overall. Michigan, 7-1 uh, after uh, that uh, surprising loss and almost another one against Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, you got Maryland at 7-2 in the conference, a half game back. Purdue at 6-2 right now. Wisconsin at 5-3. You've got Iowa at 5-4, Minnesota at 4-4. And then some three and five teams in Nebraska, Indiana, Northwestern, two and five Ohio State, two and six Rutgers, one and seven Illinois, and still winless is Penn State. Only eight and a half games out, buddy. <laughs> hey, um, 
And you're starting to see a separation there. I mean, you know, you're looking at the top four teams in the in the conference there with Purdue and Maryland and the two Michigan teams, and and we thought we would get to that point. We just didn't know which those those two other two teams would be to join the Michigan teams. But uh, you know, it's nice to see the Boilermakers in that top half of the uh, conference standings and a and a chance to uh, to make this very very interesting with a victory over Sparty. I say again, Michigan State, Michigan. There's a line. Then it's Maryland, Purdue. I think then there's a line. Then you get Wisconsin and Iowa. One of those teams has got to figure out who's where. where. Maybe I'll throw Minnesota in there, those three. But then that's the next line. And then after that, it's Nebraska, Indiana, Northwestern, Ohio State. And, you know, tell me, can you, if you can tell me the difference between any of those teams, you're better than I am at this point. Uh, and then that bottom three is Rutgers, Illinois, and Penn State. I mean, we, know, we knew what they were going to be, and they are what we thought they were, to quote the late, great Denny Green. Those are kind of the lines that are drawn here. But if Purdue manages to pick up this one against Michigan State, I think you got to love the fact that they're really primed for a double bye into the Big Ten tournament. It's that time to start talking about things. Yeah, and that's going to be huge. And, you know, we were all worried about getting enough victories. But uh, the way this team's performing right now, that that may not. I mean, you know, you look at some of the, the net sport and the Jerry Palm. I mean, they're ranked anywhere from, from a top 10 team all the way to, uh, you know, to uh, to. 14th, 15th in the country. So the Boilermakers uh, certainly uh, making a case for them to be a top 25 team now. Tough game still remaining, though, on the schedule for Purdue. Uh, of course, Sunday's uh, sixth-ranked Michigan State Spartans. Uh, you still have to go over to Maryland, uh, that game on February the 12th. And that's basically the ranked teams that are left. Then you're left with a whole bunch of mediocreness and the bottom part of the schedule. You know, but uh, an interesting know? thing, Ken Palm has the trip to Nebraska as Purdue's toughest game remained on their schedule, even tougher than the game Saturday with Sparty. So. And sometimes analytics get in the way of things. I'm just saying. This yeah. is this no. is why math should no longer be taught to the kids. It is the enemy <laughs> of the people, Jeff Julik. Of course, I don't mean that, but, you know, I just miss the good old days when a committee sat down, they took a look at the teams, the records, what they did, and they didn't have to discuss the net quad, RPI, you know, PPI, whatever the heck, nine different statistics here. Look at the games. Yeah. Watch the teams. You <laughs> tell me. Test. Uh-huh. You yep. tell me. So let's get into the schedule for the uh, next couple of days here for the Big Ten. Tonight, only one game. It's uh, Michigan at Indiana. Indiana in desperate need of a win. And it's going to be hard to get that tonight against Michigan. You know, how big a game is that for the Hoosiers coming off of their, what, four-game losing streak they're at now? And Michigan hasn't played well the last couple games. I mean, they lost at uh, Wisconsin. They struggled with... Uh, Minnesota, very fortunate to hit that uh, shot, the buzzer the other night to take down the Gophers. And so, uh, you know, we'll see how that game plays out. But uh, I would expect the best effort you're going to get from the Hoosiers tonight. It may surprise you that IU is only a four-point dog at home, which is a little surprising to me considering that you have a team that seemingly can't win versus the number 5 team in the country with one loss on their resume. Well, I I just think, you know, when you look at some of those early victories Indiana had, they they know they can beat top teams and – Boy, it's tough to play in Assembly Hall. So it's uh, it's one of those games where you're going to get the best game from Indiana and see how it comes out. Saturday, uh, I think we can all agree Maryland probably wins at home against Illinois. One of those mediocre game shakeouts here, Ohio State and Nebraska. That one at uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln. Northwestern at Wisconsin. Rutgers at Penn State is a thing that is also happening. 
Yeah, you know, when you look at that schedule, I mean, Illinois continues to play tough every game. They so, do, but they do it normally at home. Yeah, I mean, so, they just do not have the dogs and ponies to make it happen in Maryland. And uh, that schedule all day, the, the game that catches my eye is going to be that Ohio State and Nebraska. I mean, mm-hmm. Ohio State's got to figure out how to uh, stop the bleeding. And maybe they have by going small. You know, they actually played much, much better without uh, Caleb Wesson in there. So, and I know you don't like Nebraska. Well, he's going to take uh, himself out of the game eventually anyway with the way <laughs> with the guy the fouls. fouls uh-huh. So you might as well just delay, you know, don't delay the inevitable, I and guess. And speaking of the, that eye test, I still think Nebraska looks like a very, very good team. And I know they lost the Rutgers the other night, but uh, I still think Nebraska is a solid team and they need that game to help with their resume. Sunday, Purdue hosts Michigan State. Uh, interesting, Minnesota hosting Iowa. One, again, a couple of those mid-pack teams there. What's going to happen uh, yeah, you and know, it'll help shake itself out just a little bit more. The Iowa fans are ready to throw Fran McCaffrey under the bus after they started out 0 3 and losing, getting blown out by the Boilermakers. Well, you know what? That should be pretty easy because, um, you know, nobody there ever plays any defense to begin with. <laughs> so I think it should be pretty easy to be able to do that. That's true. But they've went on a roll and they were on a win streak till they lost to, to Michigan State last night. So uh, that'll be a nice game, 5 o'clock on Sunday. So uh, let's take a look at uh, Tuesday's matchup Northwestern at Maryland. Uh, Wisconsin goes to Nebraska, um, and then Ohio State will go to Michigan. Uh, I think a lot of people will be rooting for Ohio State in that one. First of all, why is there no Monday night basketball games? I mean, I've got I've been conditioned to have a basketball game every night. You got to find it. You got to find a night to catch up on your DVR, man. I guess. I guess that's what it is. But yeah, that Ohio State Michigan game obviously I got stuff racking up here. I still got to watch another Fire Festival documentary here. <laughs> Don't do this to me. Uh, the game I like that night is going to be Wisconsin-Nebraska because, again, a second home game for the Huskers. And uh, you know, if they can beat the Buckeyes and uh, and the Badgers, they're right back in it. So, uh, you know, uh, we're getting some interesting matchups as we start to make the turn. It's you know hard to believe we're just about halfway through uh, the Big Ten season with this new 20-game schedule. Well, Indiana, if they can get past Michigan, they have to go to the rack on Wednesday to take on Rutgers, which uh, by no means is an easy place to go in and to play. No. Uh, and then you got Illinois at Minnesota on Wednesday night. So you're, I think your big game there has got to be the Hoosiers and, and the Knights. I mean, Rutgers mm-hmm. beat Ohio State there earlier, and and uh, they have shown improvement. So, uh, uh, you know, things do not look good for the Hoosiers with that schedule coming up. So uh, another game to uh, keep an eye out for right there on uh, Wednesday night. And then, of course, that brings us back around to Thursday next week, the last day of January. Purdue will close it out at Penn State the only game on your Thursday night. You always get nervous about going into the Bryce Jordan Center because, uh, as you said uh, about the Ohio State game, maybe the slow start was the empty gym. And uh, a Thursday night game at Penn State, (laughs) that uh, is not going to exactly be attracting a whole lot of attention from the uh, fans and student body. And Penn State has been so, so close to getting a victory. I mean, they've been in several games, and it's – you know, when you've got Stevens and Watkins, you know, you're always going to have a chance. And, uh, you know, this is his best team as far as the athletes go. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough game. But, boy, the way the Boilermakers are playing, obviously I like the chances. All right, I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in to another edition of the uh, Boiler Basketball Show. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week as well, be recapping uh, Michigan State and that uh, Penn State game and getting you ready for the month of February. Big thanks to our friend Alec Harpik from goldandblack.com for being on the program with us.